Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about celiac disease. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash celiac or in the gastroenterology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Celiac disease is an autoimmune condition triggered by eating gluten. It can develop at any age and is thought to be caused by genetic and environmental factors. There's a link with other autoimmune conditions, particularly type 1 diabetes and thyroid disease. A Tom tip for you, remember for your exams that all new cases of type 1 diabetes or autoimmune thyroid disease get tested for celiac disease, even if they don't have any symptoms. Let's talk about the pathophysiology. In patients with celiac disease, autoantibodies are created in response to exposure to gluten. These autoantibodies target the epithelial cells of the small intestine, leading to inflammation. These antibodies relate to disease activity and will rise with more active disease and may disappear with effective management. There are three antibodies related to celiacs, particularly worth remembering the first two, and these are anti-tissue transglutaminase antibodies, or anti-TTG, anti-endomysial antibodies, or anti-EMA, and anti-deaminated gliadin peptide antibodies, or anti-DGP. Inflammation affects the small bowel, particularly the jejunum. The surface of the small intestine is covered in projections called villi, and these increase the surface area and help with nutrient absorption. Celiac disease causes atrophy of the intestinal villi, resulting in malabsorption. Celiac disease is associated with certain human leukocyte antigen or HLA genotypes or genetic variations and these are HLA-DQ2 and HLA-DQ8. Let's talk about the presentation. Celiac disease is often asymptomatic and is underdiagnosed so have a low threshold for testing for celiac disease in patients where it's suspected. Presenting symptoms can include failure to thrive in young children, diarrhea, bloating, fatigue, weight loss and mouth ulcers. Dermatitis herpetiformis is an itchy, blistering skin rash typically on the abdomen that's caused by celiac disease. Anemia occurs secondary to malabsorption and deficiency of iron, B12 or folate. Rarely, celiac disease can present with neurological symptoms with peripheral neuropathy, cerebellar ataxia and epilepsy. Next, let's talk about making the diagnosis. The patient must continue eating gluten while they're being investigated. Antibodies and histology may be normal if the patient is gluten-free. The first-line blood tests are total immunoglobulin A levels to exclude IgA deficiency and anti-tissue transglutaminase antibodies or anti-TTG 
anti-endomysial antibodies, or anti-EMA, are a second-line option where there's doubt about the results, for example, a borderline anti-TTG result. A Tom tip for you, initial anti-TTG and anti-EMA antibody tests are IgA. Some patients have an IgA deficiency. When you test for these antibodies, it's important to test for total immunoglobulin A levels because if the total IgA level is low, the antibody test will be negative even in a patient with celiac disease. In this circumstance, you can test for the IgG version of the anti-TTG or anti-EMA antibodies. Patients with a positive antibody test are referred to a gastroenterologist to confirm the diagnosis by endoscopy and jejunal biopsy. Typical biopsy findings are crypt hyperplasia and villus atrophy. Finally, let's talk about management. A lifelong gluten-free diet should completely resolve the symptoms. Dietitian input may be helpful. Relapse of the symptoms and features will occur if the patient starts consuming gluten again. Celiac antibodies can be helpful to monitor the disease. Finally, let's talk about the complications. If someone with celiac disease continues eating gluten, even in tiny amounts, it can lead to complications of nutritional deficiencies, anemia, osteoporosis, hyposplenism with immunodeficiency, particularly to encapsulated bacteria such as Streptococcus pneumoniae, ulcerative jejunitis, enteropathy associated T-cell lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and small bowel adenocarcinoma. So thanks for listening to this episode on celiac disease. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll move on to respiratory medicine and start with an episode on lung cancer.